It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, if you have your Bibles, uh, Psalm 8 is where I'd love for you to turn. Uh, Psalm 8. Uh, So we're diving into a brand new series, which I am super, super excited about. Uh, It's all on this idea of just beholding Jesus. And uh, one of the things that we've done over the years is on occasion walk through some of the names of God. And I I think in my personal life uh, and in my personal study, this has been one of those incredibly profitable studies in that whenever I look at the names of God, it always gives me a greater revelation, it gives me a greater love, it gives me a greater passion for, the, for who our God is. And so I just thought it'd be fun over this entire season uh, to just start walking through some of the names of God. And so today I just kind of want to get a big picture overview, and then starting next, uh, next time we're going to actually dive in and start looking at the names of God over the next, I think there's 28 of these sessions that we're going to be walking through in this, uh, in this season. Uh, already, if I can just maybe give a personal note, um, as I've just been prepping, as I've been trying to outline uh, which names to even pick, uh, there's always the names we always go to because they're the common popular ones. Jehovah Jireh, right? Uh, you know, uh, Elohim, Yahweh, all those great names. Uh, and, I, and I do want to focus on some of those because they are so impactful. And there's a reason we keep returning to them. Uh, but I've been just deeply stirred by the fact that there are hundreds of names of God in Scripture. And as such, I, my desire over this next series is I actually want to pull on some of these hidden ones or the ones that we don't often talk about and just turn our gaze afresh to who our God is. Uh, so I just as, as I've been studying, as I've been learning, as I've just been uncovering, uh, I've just been deeply blessed and super excited and, to be honest, a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> because there is something about... I don't know if you ever had some topic you started to walk into, and the moment you started to get into that, whatever that topic is, you start to realize that there's more to that than you ever thought there was. And it just starts to get bigger and bigger, and you're like, oh, this, this will be a great little study, and you're like, oh, no, uh, as it gets bigger and bigger. <clears throat> and so there's this wonderful sense of overwhelm where I'm starting to realize our God is so amazing. Our God is so phenomenal. And with that, look at Psalm 8. David is the author of the psalm, and, and David makes this incredible declaration in Psalm 8, verse 1, and then he bookends it in verse 9. He says this, O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Isn't that just a great statement? Here's David, and it's like he's, he's stepping back, and he's, he's looking at his God and he says, wow, Yahweh, do you, can I just declare that your name in this entire world, and if I may expand that, in the entire universe is majestic. Have you ever actually thought about the fact that God's name, not just who he is, but his name is majestic? I really love it, Psalm 111 verse 9 says, it says, holy and fearsome, some translations say awesome, is his name. And I don't know about you, but the word awesome has, it seems just kind of, everything is awesome. 
Like it was one of those great superlatives right back in like the 90s. Every, that's awesome. That is so bodacious. That was the 80s. That's so tubular. I think that was the 70s. But it's like, that, that is rad, right? That's, that's, that's the 80s. That's the bomb. That would have been the 90s. But that is awesome. And we've used that word so much that it has kind of dumbed down its meaning. Where it's just like, that's cool, right? That's hip. That's whatever. And yet, do you realize actually what the word means is that it is full of awe. That, that when you actually see it or when you actually behold it, it actually causes your mouth to drop and you are like, whoa. That is just, I don't even know what to, I don't even know how to respond. Have you ever seen one of those great sunsets? We have some amazing sunsets here. And there's times where there's this, this sunset and the, the cloud formation and the, the, the light that hits it just perfectly. You, you just, you're standing there just going, whoa. You don't even have words. It's just, whoa. That's awesome. That's the word. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could have an encounter with the living God? So much so that we would look at his name and say, wow, holy and awesome is your name. Have you ever thought about names? Uh, names are really interesting. Uh, you know, in our modern culture, we, we often choose names because of how they sound. Yeah, we're going to call Bert, Bertha, Jaquita, right? McGillicuddy, whatever, whatever it is. And, and, and we often will pick names because of just how they sound. Because we just, it just rolls off our tongue well. But biblically, there was incredible significance and importance to names. You didn't just have a name, you had a name. See the difference? <laughs> so a name wasn't just a name. Here's what's really fascinating about a name. A name biblically bespoke of someone's nature. It, it talked about their character. It's all about the attributes. Or if you want one word, it's all about someone's identity. So when you gave a name, it wasn't just a name. It actually represented who they were. So as you begin to study the, the, throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and you come to a name, you can't just say, well, that's a great name, Job. Ah, that's a great name. But he had a great job. You know, it's like you, you, can't just, you can't just look at a name and just go on. I would highly encourage you to pause and look up what the name means. Because when you look up what the name means, it gives incredible depth and understanding to the passage, the story of their life, because it is the identity of the person. Does that make any sense? For example, the name Job. This is just cracks me up. The name Job means hated and despised. What parent? Coochie, coochie, coo! What do we call it? Eh. Let's call it hated and despised. <laughs> you know? Like, who does that? That's nuts. But what you begin to notice is that names, again, names are not just names. Names are very important. Names have significance as you walk through this. So here's, here's just a couple quick ideas. Do you realize that even in our culture, when you say someone's name, it's a relational idea. In other words, when I say, hey, Micah, how are you? It bespeaks of the fact that I actually have some sort of a kinship or a friendship with Micah. Now, I only met Micah a couple days ago, but you realize that when he comes in, I'm like, hey, Micah. It means that there's some sort of relationship. Does that make any sense? 
Do you realize that when you give someone your name, you're actually inviting them into a relationship? Because if there's a creepy person, what's your name? No. <laughs> I'm not telling you that. But when someone says, hey, what's your name? And you're like, Nathan. Wow, Nathan's so great to meet you. Right? There, there's, it's a beckoning. It's an invitation into having some sort of a relationship. And what's really interesting, in almost any culture you go to, do you realize that someone's name is probably their favorite word in that language? I mean, of all the words that you know, I think your favorite one probably would be your, no, your own name. Have, have you ever met someone who is really particular about their name and the way you pronounce their name? Why? Because it's, their, it's them. Uh, we had a student here. I think she'll be okay if I, ever, if I say this. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm so sorry. But it was one of our first semesters, and I, I read her name tag, and it said Lauren. I said, hey, Lauren, great to meet you. It's not Lauren. It's Lauren. Okay. And I had such a hard time that semester because I see that. I have one thought in my head. I've always called it Lauren. And so I was like, hey, Lauren. Loren. Okay, Loren. And, uh, and her and her family still live in town, and they're, and they're wonderful friends. But, uh, but it's interesting. Haven't you ever done that where it's like, you know, someone has a weird or a slight pronunciation shift? And actually, one way to honor them, one way to show that you're actually in a relationship, the one, one way that you actually show the value is that you actually say their name right and properly, which is why you'll notice here in a semester, we labor to know your names. Why? Because it's relational. We don't want you just to be here as random people in a semester. You are distinct and you're an individual and, and, and we actually want to labor to get your name correct. So if you're like Yolanda that is now stuck in my head and she says, it's now Yoli, right? Yoli. <laughs> I like that. I, I want to use the name. Why? Because that, that's a sign of friendship. Does that make sense? So names are really important. That's true. But again, as you go back into the, into the scriptures, a name has a greater significance than even how we often use it because names have meaning and that meaning will often point to the reality of someone's identity. Uh, listen to this. This is a great, what one of the Hebrew scholars said about names. He said, in the world of the Hebrew scriptures, a personal name was often thought to indicate something essential about the bearer's identity, origin, their birth circumstances, or the divine purpose that the bearer will, uh, was intended to fulfill. Isn't that interesting? And he's, you can see this all over Scripture. Uh, Adam, right? His, his name, Adam, means dirt. That's a great name. Why? Because that actually is a declaration of who he is. He's dirt. And God formed out of the dust of the earth this man he called dirt. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. You're not appreciating this. <laughs> Here, here's what one author said. I, I love this statement. A name was your autobiography in one word. That in the ancient days, your name, if you gave someone your name, it was a declaration of your whole life, of your identity. Now think about this. If this is true, and it is all throughout Scripture, then when someone had their name changed, 
it was incredibly profound. Because it wasn't just God saying, well, I don't like the name Abram. Yeah, we're done with that name. I hate that name. I like Abraham. See, that, that's not what God was doing. See, Abram, the name Abram was identity stuff. And the moment that God says, you know what? We're no longer going to call you Abram. We're going to call you Abraham. It's more than a name change. It's a change of identity. See, the name Abram, let me get this correct here. The name Abram means exalted father, which is hilarious because he wasn't one. He can't have kids. Could you imagine living for decades of your life? Because even Ishmael, right, even before the promised son Isaac, I mean, uh, Abraham was at least 75, 80 years old. So we're, we're talking decades. Hey, what was your name? I'm the exalted father. <gasps> Where's your kids? I don't have any. And do you know what that had been, do you know what that had done to his identity? But the moment that God says, you know what, Abram, we're not going to call you Abram anymore. I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm going to call you Abraham, which means the father of multitudes. And he still didn't have kids. But there was a promise in that. Will you trust your God? No longer is your name going to be Sarai. It's going to be Sarah. My, my favorite one, this, this is, I love this. Uh, Rebecca, remember, you know, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. Isaac married Rebecca. And Rebecca one day gets up and she realizes there's an issue. And so she cries out to the Lord. And, the, and she says, what, what, there's something going on. And what am I supposed to do? And God says, it's okay. There are two nations within you that are raging against each other. And the, the older will serve the younger. And I, I can imagine if I was Rebecca, I'd be like, what? I thought they were children. You're telling me I got nations? But they were children, right? I mean, there's Esau and, and Jacob. And I love what happens. Here, here's the birth date right? And Rebecca's giving birth. And it says that the first one came out. And when the first one came out, he was so interesting. And they looked at this thing. And they said, what are we going to call it? And do you know what they named the firstborn? Furball, right? <laughs> yeah, they gave him the name Esau, which means hairy. It means furball. And you realize that's not just a name. It's not a label. Like you go down to, you know, you go down to the coffee shop and they're like, what name would you like me to write on the cup? Esau, right? It's not a label where you go to the end and pick up your coffee. This is identity stuff. That when he was born, he was so hairy. They're like, I don't know what else to call him. Let's call him the furball. Do you know how hairy he was? This is really disturbing, but he was 40 years old. Uh, Isaac, you know, was getting close to death, and uh, Isaac was pretty much blind. And so Isaac looked at Esau and said, hey, son, uh, you're a hairy hunter. Uh, go out there and, and go kill my, my favorite game and just make it just how I like it. And then, hey, when you bring it in, I will give you the blessing. And Esau goes, I can do it. So he goes off and, and gets the animal. And in the meantime, Rebecca, his mom, heard all this stuff, and she goes to Jacob, right, who's also 40 years old, but, you know, he's living at home. He's a mama's boy. You know, he's just kind of, and she goes, hey, Jacob, here's what I want you to do. Go get a goat, and we're going to make it just like dad likes it, and then you can bring it in to your dad, and you can get the blessing. And, of course, Jacob's like, mom, I can't because, because I, don't, I don't speak like Esau. 
I don't look like Esau. I don't smell like Esau. And mom just said, it's okay, just go, just go get the goat. And just, da, da, da. So she makes the goat just like dad likes it. And, and then uh, she gives it to Jacob. And Jacob goes, yeah, but what if, what if dad says, come here, and tries to touch, touch my arm or something? Because I don't have hair like Esau does. And Rebecca says, no, not a big deal at all. So she takes the goat skin and puts it on his arms and on his neck. And so here's Jacob, and he, he goes into Isaac and goes, hey, dad, I, 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 brought, I brought the meal. <clears throat> Dad, I brought the mill. And he goes, it doesn't sound like Esau. Uh, Come here. And of course, you know, he put on Esau's clothing. And so as he got closer to to Isaac, Isaac goes, whew, yeah, that's Esau. (laughs) And then it says that Isaac put his hand on Jacob's arm, which was covered with goat hair. And Isaac just went, and he goes, it's my son. (laughs) Have you ever seen a goat? That is nasty. <laughs> so when, when, when Esau was born then, and he came out, <laughs> he came out as a goat. <laughs> it probably grew over his years. But, you know, he came out really hairy. And so what, did they, what was his identity? Esau. It was furball. Now it says that when Jacob, the second born, was born, that he was holding on to the heel of Esau. Now, I can't prove this biblically, but I've, I've pondered this so many times. I don't know if Jacob was actually holding on to Esau's heel, or more likely, he was probably caught in all the hair and being dragged out. You know, that's, that's my personal, my, that's my guess. Uh, but regardless of how it happened, he was holding Esau's heel. And so when Jacob was born, guess what name they gave him? Jacob, which means a heel grabber. Better stated, it actually means a lying, deceiving manipulator. That's actually what a heel grabber means. That's what Jacob means. Isn't that interesting that when you look at Jacob's life, as you just follow his trajectory, what was he? He was a lying, deceiving manipulator. He was a heel grabber. Isn't that interesting? That, that, that was his identity, that was the very nature of who he was. So think about this. Here he is. He's, he's running. He's about to meet Esau. And, he, and he's, this is later on in his life. And he spends a whole night wrestling with God. Have you ever pondered this? He, he didn't wrestle. He wrestled with God himself. That's what the pastor says. And it was, you know, getting late at night. And God says, let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. And so by morning time, God touched the, the, the hip, the joint uh, of Jacob. And then he said this to Jacob, ponder how cool this is. I will no longer call you Jacob. Well, did God not like the name? Nah, it wasn't about the name. It's about identity stuff. God says, you know what you are? I, you've wrestled with me. And I'm changing something inside of you, Jacob. And you are no longer going to be that lying, deceiving manipulator that you always were. Your new name, your new identity is now going to be Israel. Well, what does Israel mean? It can mean the prince. Uh, It can also, the prince of God. It can also mean, think about this. This is so phenomenal. It means the one who wrestled and prevailed. 
apparently, Jacob won the wrestling match with God. Which you know, God gave in. <laughs> I remember uh, when my niece was just five, six years old, uh, my brother's just, just, just a great big guy. And my little niece would be like, Dad, let's wrestle. And I'd, I'm like, you have no chance. You're tiny. He's, he's a mountain. There's no way. But you know what my brother would do? They would be wrestling, and then, you know, she would jump on him, and he'd be like, ah, you got me. Right? And she's like, yeah. That had to have happened with the Jacob thing. He is wrestling with God himself. Do you think God's like, oh, no. No. You know what I have happened. By morning, God's like, oh, you got me. Can't prove that one either biblically, but it just, if you think that through, there's no way Jacob. But his name means, think about this. The name Israel means the one who wrestles and prevailed. He never let go. And his identity switched from being this lying, deceiving manipulator to the one who actually will wrestle with God and not let go. He is now the one who has relationship and intimacy with the God of the universe. He is now the prince of God. And it's an identity change. Isn't that incredible? So every time you come and see a name in scripture, it's not just a name, it's an autobiography in one word. Love that statement. So take all of that then and come into this idea of God's names. God gives us a multitude of names. Well, why does God give us a whole bunch of his names? Well, his identity changes. No! And this is what is so profound. The fact that we have hundreds of names of God does not mean that he is fickle and he just jumps between, I'm this and this and this and this. I'll this day I'm this and this day I'm this and this day. It's not like that. The reason God has given us a multitude of his names is so that we can actually understand the multifaceted reality of his majesty. In other words, he is so big, he is so great, he is so majestic that a single name is insufficient. Or perhaps if I can say it this way, our God is so majestic and grand that we must use a variety of names to discover the nuance and the depth of who he is. I liked what Tony Evans said about this. He says, one name by itself can't fully represent God's majesty and power. One name alone can't fully tell us all we need to know about this person we refer to as God. So the fact that God gives us a multitude of names is actually profound to me, not because his identity switches like the human names do, but because he is so grand and so phenomenal and so awesome that a single name is actually insufficient. So if you want to get to know your God, one of the best ways to do that is to study his names. Because again, his names are not just a name. It's not a title. It's all about attribute, character, nature stuff. And so when God gives you his name, he says, do you know who I am? Hey, do you know what my identity is? Do, do you know who I am in the very depths of my being? Oh, let me give you a name. And then you go on with the story and he's like, oh, I'm going I'm to reveal more about myself. And I am so big and I'm so incomprehensible that I, I want you to know me. But So I'm going to invite you in. I'm, I'm going to have a relationship with you. So I'm going to give you my name. I'm inviting you in. But I'm so big. I just, 
One name is insufficient. So here's my name, and here's my name, and here's my name, and here's my name, and here's my name. This is who I am. Would you just get to know me? Hey, would you trust me? Hey, would you just begin to... Isn't that amazing? Are you awake? That's phenomenal. Tell your faces. <laughs> this is exciting. This is phenomenal. I'm, I'm just blown away, folks. Let me take it one more step. God is constantly revealing his names. But here's what is so profound to me. Every single name points to the majesty of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, every name of God declares the wonder and the majesty of Jesus. And that should make sense to us because Jesus is God in the flesh, that he is Yahweh, that, that he is that triune God that we love and we worship, and he took on flesh. So in the Old Testament, when God says, I am Jehovah Jireh, I'm the provider, do you know what Jesus is? He's the fulfillment of all that. He is that provision. And as we begin to look at the names of God, what you're going to see is that every single name of God ultimately will point to the greater reality of who our Jesus is. So if you want to love Jesus more and trust Jesus more and just delight yourself in Jesus more and deepen yourself in the relationship of Jesus, get to know his names. Uh, for example, listen to this in John 17, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus is praying and, and listen to this. He says, oh, righteous father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. And these, my disciples, have known that you sent me. And I, listen to this, and I have made your name known to them. I have exposed your name. I have taken your name and I have lived it. And I will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He says, Woo! Do you know what I've done? His name, who he is, his identity, his character, his very nature. Oh, I've exposed that. I've made it known. I've revealed it. They have encountered your name through me. Why? Because he's the fullness of the name. He is the lived out physical expression of every name of God. So what we're going to be doing then throughout this entire series is we're going to be walking through the names of God, not just so that, oh, that's an interesting tidbit. Oh, that's some great information. Oh, that's a wonderful name. I'll start using that. It's not for that reason as much as would you just sit back and just go, whoa, his name is awesome. And that name points to Jesus. And I'm wrapped up in a relationship with Jesus. In fact, his spirit lives inside of my life which means the reality of who he is is now coming evident here in my life. Let me just give you a quick example, a preview, if you will. One of God's names is Jehovah Shalom or Yahweh Shalom. Shalom means peace. He is the God of peace. Do you realize that when God says, hey, I am the God of peace, that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that? Jesus is Jehovah Shalom. In fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.14, 
that Jesus himself is our peace. He doesn't give you peace. He is our peace. Isn't that incredible? Why? Because Jesus is Jehovah Shalom. Or if you turn to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, right? Jehovah Ra, he's the shepherd. But then Jesus stands up and says, whoa, do you know who I am? John chapter 10, I am not just a shepherd, I am the good, which is a horrible term. <laughs> because we're just like, yeah, that's good. Like bad ice cream to me is good, because you know? <laughs> it's ice cream. So good is like the bottom of the barrel from, in my mind. But Jesus says, and it's actually a superlative, he says, I am the best, I am the sufficient, I am the great shepherd. Yeah, I, I, I'm it. I mean, you look at all the shepherds, whoa, I'm at the very top. That's, that's the idea. That makes sense? Why? Because he is Jehovah Ra. He is the shepherd. At the very end of the series, in I think 14 weeks from now, I want to look at this idea. I, wanna, I just wanted to hint at it now because I just wanted to be in the back of all of our heads as we enter into this idea of the names of God. And I really want to flesh it out later on just as a way to wrap up the entire series. But it's this difference between taking his name in vain and hallowing his name. I find it fascinating in Exodus when God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses and the Israelites. One of the commandments in Exodus 20 verse 7, he says, You shall not take the name Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. God says, there is something about my name, and you are not to take it in vain. That word in vain actually means to empty it of content. Do you know what God's telling you? Don't take my name, my nature, my identity, and empty it. Rather, as Jesus prays or gives the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus prayed that in this way, or our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name. The, the word to hallow is it's kind of a similar word to holy. It means to set apart, to make sacred. So think about this. As we walk through the names of God, we are to not empty his names of content. We're not to empty his names of power. We're not to empty his names of who he actually is. Rather, we're to actually take his name and set it apart as holy. We're to set it apart as special. We're to set it apart as something sacred in our lives. Again, we'll come back to this, but I just want this ruminating in our minds that God takes his name incredibly seriously. In terms of Jesus, do you know how amazing it is to think that he has a name that is above all of their names. In Philippians 2, verse 9, it says, Therefore God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Jesus has an awesome name. And his name is so grand. His name is so powerful. Why? Because that's who he is. He is all-powerful. He is awesome. That just at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. 
could you come in as we're walking through this series and have that attitude? See, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But I don't want to be forced to do it. See, I don't want to get to the end and I am forced to stoop and I am forced to declare that he is Lord. See, I want to do that now. See, I, 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 want, I want to be able to get on my face and just go, whoa, you are so good. You are so awesome. How majestic is your name in all the earth? See, see, I, I, I want to declare that he is Lord, not because I have to, but because I want to. Would you come in with that posture? Because he is worthy. So let me give you four quick ideas. When we know God's names, and know not just in the sense of intellectualism, not just information, but know in the sense of experience. When I actually experience God's names, hey, when I become intimately acquainted with his names, number one, you will have greater confidence and trust in him and his word. It is so profound to me. The more and more I get to know his names, the more I begin to realize I can trust him. As I get to know him and his nature, and I begin to realize that God doesn't change. That if he was Jehovah Jireh, he is Jehovah Jireh, and he forever will be Jehovah Jireh. He is always a provider. That he was a shepherd, is a shepherd, forever will be a shepherd. That he was peace, but not just 2,000 years ago, not just 4,000 years ago, but he is peace this very moment. And do you realize that into all the eternities, in five billion gazillion years from now, he is still peace. Because he's always peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. And what's neat is when I begin to recognize that he doesn't change and God reveals his identity and he reveals his character. And he says, this is who I am. I know him deeper, which allows me to trust him more. Because trust deepens and grows and increases the more you get to know someone. And as you get to know someone's character, and as they begin to consistently prove that character out, you trust them more. So wouldn't it be neat as you get to know him and as he begins to unveil himself and you begin to see the reality and the depths of his names being exposed, I'm not just getting to know him, I'm getting to know him and it's causing this greater trust and love for him. Number two, it produces, as I, as I get to know his names, it produces greater intimacy and relationship. Again, a, a name is an invitation into relationship. So as I get to know his names, do you realize ultimately what he's inviting me into is greater relationship and intimacy? N number three, as I get to know his names, I, I have a greater awe and worship of our majestic God. That, that I'm constantly just going, wow, wow, just you are so phenomenal. And as he stirs your heart, as he turns your gaze upward, and as you behold your God, it just, you cannot help yourself. You just have to worship. Just like as you see a beautiful sunset, you don't have to go, whoa. No one has to arm twist you on that one. Why? It just, it just comes out of you. What is that? This worship. And so wouldn't it be phenomenal as Jesus lifts himself up and as, as he exposes himself, it's not like, all right, I'm going to force myself to worship. You are good. You are good. It's 
I see him and I'm just like, I can't help myself. There's just this, oh, you are awesome. Your name is majestic. Wow, I love you. You're just, wouldn't it be neat if worship would just bubble forth out of your life as you get to know him? And lastly, as you get to know his names and who he is, I promise you, it will practically change and transform your life. It will. The word will not leave you alone. If you would be open and seeking and go after him, I guarantee it 100%, he will change your life. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, ponder this, do all, do you know what the word all in Greek means? It means all. Isn't that amazing? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So wouldn't it be fascinating as I get to know his names that my whole life is conformed to the image of Christ? As Romans 8 verse 29 says. Wouldn't it be phenomenal if as I get to know Jesus that my life just begins to be squeezed into this mold that just looks like him and, and I am radically changed and transformed and everything that I do, all, whether word or deed, Everything is done according to his nature and his character and his identity and his life. See, I don't want a single thing going on in my life that's not focused on Jesus. That's not sourced by the very Spirit of God. Is it possible that I can get so tight with Jesus that everything that I do be done according to his name, his nature, his character, his attributes, his life? Let me just wrap up by going back to Psalm 8. David in Psalm 8 starts off with that incredible passage, O Yahweh our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And what's really fascinating about the psalm, if you want to read it later, is that in these nine verses of Psalm 8, David again bookends in verse 1 and verse 9 that statement, how majestic, O Yahweh, is your name in all the earth. But as you get into verse like 3 and 4 of Psalm 8, what you begin to discover is that it's like David disappears. That David's name and David's reputation and David's identity and, 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 and David's character and David's nature, like all of that just, it like it fades in the background because he's so wrapped up in the name of his God. Wouldn't that be neat if that happened in you? I think for almost all of us, our favorite word in our language is our name. But is it possible that I could so behold him, that I could so just have an encounter with the living God, that I could somehow just see him and know him? And as he begins to unveil his names, I get enraptured in his name and not my own. Could, 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 could he be the priority of my life, not myself? And I'm still here, but it's like I faded in the background. <clears throat> and it's not my identity, and it's, it's not my reputation, and it's not, not about my, it's not about me anything. It's about him. And somehow, in the beholding of his name, like David in Psalm 8, is it possible that as I'm like, whoa, how majestic is your name? that somehow I just quit worrying about myself and I can, 
hey, I, I, can, I can let God handle all this. And I, hey, I still got to walk in obedience. I get, all, I, I get all that kind of stuff. But somehow, could I just, could I fade into the background so he could be seen? Would you be daring enough to get so tight with Jesus that your life becomes all about him, not about you? That what you talk about is not you as much as you talk about him? By the way, if you started doing this, do you know what we'd have to call you? We'd probably have to call you a Christian, wouldn't we? Don't you want to be one? Man, I want to get wrapped up in Jesus, folks. So really quick, <clears throat> over the next several weeks, we're just going to be walking through the names of God. Some that are known, some that are less known. But my desire is that I want to behold him. And I want every name just to draw us into a greater love and intimacy with Jesus. I, mean, I, just, I just want to stand at the end of every session just going, whoa, how majestic is your name in all the earth? So would you join me? You guys don't get a choice, but everyone else listening? Um, and just for fun, I, I thought uh, years ago we uh, put together the names of God, like all the ones, there's probably more, more than these, but we were putting a bunch of names together in a chronological order. And for those listening on the podcast or the, or the video stuff, uh, I'll put a download link if you just want to see the list. And, uh, and we also made the He Is video, uh, which I'll put a link to if you want to watch that, because it it's just the names of God. And it's just as you hear his names. I, I, I can't help but worship. Because it just, oh. and it's just, it just keeps going. And just, you're like, wow, he is so good. Wow, he is so phenomenal. Can I encourage all of us? Can we just oh. behold our God? Pray with me. Jesus, man, we love you. And Lord, we just want to say, how majestic is your name in the entire universe? That you have a name that is greater than any other name. And it is at your name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. But Lord, I don't want to wait. Lord, I want to have a heart position moment by moment by moment by moment in my life where I am just on my face saying, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive the glory and honor and praise that your name is worthy. Your name is awesome and holy. How majestic is your name? And Lord, we know we're not talking about just a name. We're not just talking about a title. We're talking about who you are. And Lord, I just pray that for all of us as we, as we walk through this series, that you would stir our hearts, that, that you would turn our gaze heavenward, that somehow we wouldn't just know information about your names, but we would experience the reality of every single name. And it's such an incredible thought, Jesus, that, that as we look at all your names in the, in the, in the, in the word, 
that you have a name for every circumstance that we will ever encounter. That if we're going through fear, you are our peace. Hey, if we're going through questionings and what ifs and we need, you are the provision. If we need leading and guidance and supply, you're the shepherd. If we need healing, you are the healer. So Lord, I pray we don't just learn about your names. I pray that whatever situation and whatever scenario and circumstance we may find ourselves in in these days, that you would allow us to realize that you have a name, that your character, that your nature, that your life is sufficient for what we need right now. Or as Peter says, everything we need for life and godliness is found in one place, and that's you. Lord, I just want to say I love you. And whoa, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We love you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.